Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, good morning. It's absolutely great to see everybody. How are you all doing this morning? You're doing good this side. How are you doing? They're doing good. They're doing good. How about this side? This side are really doing good. Ladies, before we go on, please, 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 can I encourage you to come along on Saturday to flourish? It is going to be absolutely brilliant. 10 till 12, put it in your diaries, and we're super excited for the following week for our week of prayer and fasting. So here we are, week two in our series of Days of Elijah. And today, It's my privilege to continue this series with us. And my message today is called, Trust Him. Turn to your neighbour and say, Trust Him. Turn to the neighbour you just ignored and say to them, Trust Him. So if you weren't able to connect with us last week, um, we kicked off our series called Days of Elijah. And Elijah is found in the Old Testament. So that is before the birth of Jesus. And Elijah was a prophet. A prophet was basically a messenger of God. Somebody, a man or a woman, that went to give a message of God. And Elijah was alive during the reign of a king called King Ahab and his queen, Queen Jezebel. Now, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel were a nasty pair. You would not want to get on the wrong side of either of those individuals, maybe Jezebel even more. So Elijah found himself alive during a real challenging time because King Ahab, Queen Jezebel, they couldn't give a monkeys about doing the right thing. They couldn't give a monkeys about serving the God that Elijah followed. They just wanted to do their thing their way despite the pain that they might bring to anybody else that chose to get in their way. So Brexit may be difficult. Hello. We may have had challenges right now. But Elijah had a lot of challenges in the time that he found himself alive. But God was still good. And God was still on the throne. And God still wanted to speak to his people. And where we jump into the story is we see that God gave Elijah a word, a message to speak to King Ahab. But it wasn't a nice little message. It was actually a message that was about to affect the entire nation, the entire people. So let's check out what that message was. So we're going to be looking today in our passage in a book called One Kings, chapter 17. And we're going to start reading at verse 5. If you've got your Bibles, That's a good thing to have in church, a Bible. Feel free to follow, or if not, you're welcome to follow us here on our screen. So 1 Kings 17, verse 5. So Elijah did as the Lord told him, and camped beside Kerith Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, 
and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. So if we, we, we rewind slightly, the thing that God told Elijah to say was Elijah went to King Ahab and said, King Ahab, there's going to be no rain falling from these skies in this land until I give the word. And that's your message from the Lord. But let's think about it. No rain, no water. That is huge. That is like, that can change a nation within a few days, within a few weeks. That was the message. You're not going to see anything, King Ahab, until I give the word. And at that point, Elijah leaves King Ahab and God tells him, right, go down to a brook, camp there, and I'm going to bring you bread from ravens that are going to bring you meat and bread, morning and evening. And there's a brook. There's still a bit of water in there and you're going to drink from the brook. Imagine that. No Tesco online. No weekly shop people. You're just going to get the meat from the birds every morning and evening and you're going to drink from the brook. But here's the problem. Elijah, you said there's going to be a drought. So that brook, the brook that God's told you to go to, isn't that going to start drying out pretty soon? And that's exactly what happened. The brook started drying out. I mean, how would you feel if you were Elijah? Maybe every day, every evening, you'd be sitting by that brook and you'd keep looking at the levels of water in that brook and you'd see, you'd see those levels going down. You'd see that brook drying up and maybe there'd be a panic. You know, when your tummy starts getting in knots, because you're like, mm, I'm worried, something doesn't feel right, I can see something bad's happening. Imagine Elijah's panic that he could see that brook drying up. You see, Elijah was no superman. He did not take his cape off and have the S. He did not have special powers. He, he bled if you scratched him, if you cut him. He would have hurt if people said mean things to him like they can to you and me. He was normal, just like you and just like me. You see, it says in James, a book in the New Testament, chapter 5, verse 17, Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crop. You see, Elijah would have looked at that brook and he would have started worrying, just like you would and just like I would. And maybe the voices then started in Elijah's head. I forget the voices. So what now, Elijah. You may still have those ravens to come and feed you meat. But Elijah, without water, you've got a matter of days. You do realise, Elijah, that you made up a 60% of water or thereabouts. So maybe you could survive three or four days just about, let's call it a week to round it off without water. But after a week, Elijah, well, what's going to happen to you now then? What are you going to do now? 
And by the way, Elijah, just a small detail. You do remember that you're the one that started this drought in the first place. If it wasn't for you going to the king, they'd still have rain coming from the sky because your prayers had stopped it. So what are you going to do now, Elijah? As he looks at the brook, ever get the voices? Ever get the thoughts? The thoughts of fear? The thoughts that say, what are you going to do now then? When your brook dries up, what are you going to do now? When that thing stops supplying to you, what are you going to do now? Is it just me that gets the voices or anybody else? I think we all do, don't we? You see, maybe Elijah could have thought, God, are you playing with me? You said, come to the brook. But now the brook's about to dry up. You said, give the word for no rain. And now we've got drought and I'm caught in the middle of the drought as well. God, are you playing with me? Ever ask God if he's playing with you? Ever look at a situation in your life and say, God, are you playing with me? You're having a joke. What's going on, God? I did what you told me to and, and now look at the drought. Now look at my brook. It's drying up. But here's the thing, God was not playing. Elijah was about to see that God was not playing with him, but God was positioning him for his next source of provision. Friends, God's got not playing with you. He wants to position you for the next thing. God's not brought you out to the brook to die. He's getting you ready for the next miracle. He's getting you ready for the next thing. You see, God wanted to show Elijah, Elijah, it's not about the Keredith Brook. The brook's not your source, Elijah. I'm your source. Don't rely on the brook, Elijah. Rely on me. See, God's your source. God was Elijah's source. And God's your source today. Maybe you've got a brook in your life and you say, that's my source. My job's my source. My family's my source. My relationships are my source. And yeah, they may be for a time. But ultimately, they're not really your source. God's your source. God's your provider. God's the one that we look to. We thank him for the brook when we're near the brook. But when he moves us on from the brook or the brook dries up, we say, God, I choose to believe that you're my source. Trust him. Trust him. Turn to your neighbour again and say, trust him. You see, Elijah had two options. On that last day, when that last drop of water dried up from that brook, he had two options. Get ready to die or get ready to trust. Get ready to die or get ready to trust. Ever feel like you've got two options? This thing is either going to kill me. This situation is either going to take me down. I'm getting ready to give it all up. I'm getting ready to die. Or I'm getting ready to trust. I'm getting ready to trust. Elijah had two places. Was he going to get ready to die or was he going to get ready to trust? 
And we're going to see how the story unfolds and what Elijah decides to do. So verse 8 of 1 Kings 17. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Three really interesting things about that little verse that we can't miss out on. Zarephath was a foreign country. It was a Phoenician territory. That's where the Philistines were. Anyone remember David and Goliath? Big, bad Goliath. He was a Philistine. God, you're sending me to the Phoenician territory where those nasty Philistines live. You're sending me to a foreign country. See, God was saying, Elijah, you're going to step out of the Israelite society. You're going to step out of the familiar. You're going to step out from amongst your people. I'm going to send you not just to a foreign place, a foreign place where there's people that they don't give a monkeys about the God of Israel. They've got their gods. They do their thing. And they're not the prettiest people to deal with. That's where you're sending me to, God. Can't I just stay here? Because I know everyone here. I know Jack down the road. All right, they don't like me at the moment because I've said there's going to be no water. So I've caused a few issues. But I've still got the corner shop. Okay, they haven't got a lot in there at the minute because there's no water. But, but you're sending me out. And God, did, did I just hear you right? Did you just say you're sending me to... A widow. You're sending me to the poorest class of people because you're telling me that's where you're going to provide. Widows had nothing. When they lost their partner, they were desolate. Some of them, they were getting ready to die. And we're going to see this a bit more in a minute. Because they had nowhere else to go. That was it. They were cast out. They were done. And you're sending me to a widow. But, but not only that, she, she's a Phoenician. She doesn't even believe in the God of Israel. And you've instructed her. Well, what do you mean, God? How have you instructed a widow that hasn't got anything, that doesn't believe in you, that lives in another territory, that's never met me. You've instructed her to feed me. God had set something up for Elijah. And friends, that's a word for someone here this morning. God has set something up for you. Come on now. You need to respond and you need to take that in. Because God has set stuff up for you. You can't yet see it. You can't yet logic it. You can't yet feel it. It may not make a whole lot of sense, but God has set something up for you. He's got something ready for you. Verse 10. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup. As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. How ironic. The person that caused the drought is now asking someone with nothing 
to get him the thing that he said was not going to fall until he gave the word. But she said, I swear by the Lord, your God, not my God, Phoenician territory now, let's get this right, your God, that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. Ever feel like you're empty? Ever feel like someone's asking you and you check out your cupboards, you ain't got nothing. You feel empty. And I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. Getting ready to die. Elijah, welcome to the party. You found me on a bad day. This is more than a bad hair day, Elijah. You're asking me for water. You're asking me for bread. Actually, you've caught me getting ready for the last supper. I'm about to make the last meal for my boy and me. Don't even ask me who's going to die first. Is he going to watch me die? Am I going to watch him die? Are you playing with me, prophet? Have you come down here to play with me? Have you come down here to tell me and make me feel even worse than I already am? Do you not see my situation? Do you not understand my lack? I've told you, I've got a drop of oil. It's going to make one last meal for me and my boy. I've just told you, I've got a handful of flour. I'm hoping it's going to make one last cake, one last piece of bread. And then my boy and I, we're getting ready. We're getting ready to die. If you were Elijah, what would you then think at that point? Like, I don't know if any of you ever watch Dragon's Den, but sometimes in Dragon's Den, the person that is wanting some sponsorships, if they get to a point in the process and they're not sure what to do, the dragons say, do you want to go and talk to the war? I think at this point, if I was Elijah, I'd say, I'm just going to go and talk to the war. And here's what I'd say to the war. God, listen, I know you, Jehovah, you know, Yahweh, God of Israel, Jehovah Jireh, you made all the universe, but I just maybe think on this particular occasion, you sent me to the wrong person. I mean, she's just shown me the oil. She's just showed me the bread. Like, literally, I can't take that from her. She's got nothing. She's about to die. Like, God, is there another way? Can I just, I'll tell you what, I'll go back to the Israelite territory. Because, God, honestly, God, I, I don't think this is the one to feed me. Like, what would you say? What would you do? 
How would you respond back to that widow? This is all she's got. Her and a boy, and she's about to die. But I'll tell you how Elijah responds. This is exactly how Elijah responds. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said. But make a little bread for me first. Turn to your neighbour and say first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. You see, Elijah is saying, lady, I know what it looks like. Lady, I know this is looking ridiculous. Lady, I see your containers, that they're so small. But lady, I'm about to speak faith into your situation. Lady, in the face of fear, I'm about to speak a word of faith. The sort of faith that speaks out what we can't yet see. I know that my eyes, my eyes are telling me a different story, but my spirit, my spirit is telling me something else. And the word of the Lord is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, lady. Something good is about to happen. You see, Elijah was living out what Hebrews 11 verse 1 says. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. You see, this widow, she thought it was all over. She was getting ready to die. But actually, in God's plan, it was just about to begin. Things were just about to get really exciting. And maybe for you, friends, maybe for those of you listening on our podcast, maybe you think it's all over. There's a situation in your life right now that's in your mind and you're thinking, it's all over. It's gone. It's gone. I've got the tiniest bit left. It's all over. But maybe... The word of the Lord for you is it's just about to get going. It's just about to start. Maybe you're in a situation and you're like, it's time to quit. But maybe it's time to go again with your little. Maybe you think I'm heading for desperation. I feel like I'm getting ready to die in a certain area. But just maybe your best days are ahead. Maybe you think, I've got nothing left to give. I've got no bread in the cupboards. I've got a handful of flour. I've got a tiny bit of oil. God, what can you possibly do with that? Well, faith says, my God can do anything. What you've got in your life, that little bit of oil, maybe that gift that you think, it's insignificant, it doesn't count much. Maybe you think, I've just got a little bit of influence in my life. It's not too much. 
Just maybe as you speak faith over what you've got, maybe you're about to see a miracle. You see, Elijah knew there's a miracle about to take place in these little containers. Maybe there's a miracle about to take place in your container. But here's the thing, you've got to speak faith. Faith. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's strong language. He's given her a command. And the command is, don't be afraid. Because we are so fearful people. We worry about everything. Some of us, we like to dance around worry. And what I mean by that is we like to look at worry from every angle. If that happens, oh, then maybe that might be the result. But then maybe if I ask put that, oh, but then it could look like this. But then if I come at it from, and we dance around our worry. We concoct all sorts of situations in our mind. Two plus two equals 3,068. And, and usually the worst scenario is always the one we play out anyway. What if? What if I can't do it? What if I haven't got enough? What if I'm heading for destruction? But what if God is wanting to do a miracle in your containers? Is this helping anyone this morning? Speak to me. If it is, let's release some faith. What if God is waiting for you to speak faith? And for some of you, the simple word is, don't be afraid. Pack it in now. Put it to death now. Stamp on that worry now. For some of you, you've got to take that to heart. I'm going to speak faith over my situation. But here's the thing. Faith has legs. Faith hasn't just got a face. It's got legs. Legs move. Legs take us to destinations and places. And suddenly this faith that Elijah is starting to speak out over these ladies' containers, over her and a boy, this faith has now got to get some legs about it and start moving. And here's the legs bit. Elijah asks her, yeah, go ahead. Get on with that last supper meal that you've been telling me about. But first... First, first, make me some bread. And then, then, get on with your plan. First, first, I don't like that word first. Who likes that word first? You see, if we're honest about it, friends, we all want to be first ourselves. You've got a craving to be first. I've got a craving to be first. My kids have got a craving to be first. I know this because when I open a packet of biscuits in my kitchen, who wants a biscuit? Me, me, me. They're pushing each other out the way. And that's just Dave. They're pushing each other out the way. She said, he said, I need one first. I haven't had one for the long first for, But it's not just kids. It's not... I'll tell you why it's not just kids. Boxing Day salespeople. 
People are queuing up at 2am outside of Next. Why? Because they want to be first. If they wanted to be last, they'd roll up on the 29th like I usually do, about half past four, and go, there's nothing left. There's never anything left. Because you didn't get here first, Leanne. First. I'll tell you why else. Well, I know we like to be first. New phones coming out. New cars coming out. New gadgets coming out. People are queuing outside the shops. You can't get on the website online. Crashed, crashed, too many people on the... Because we want to be first. We want to be first to buy the new thing. We want to be first to the sales. Aldi, have you ever been in Aldi? And you're there, they're about to open a new, a new checkout. You check out quick, quick. And you're scanning all the lights. And as soon as it's number seven, and the light goes, you see the trolleys running to number seven. I'm there, I'm not going to deny it. Because you want to be first. I want to be first in that queue. I want to be first because actually... Me, myself, and I are quite important. Me, myself, and I. We're selfish. We're inherently selfish. We think about ourselves. We may like to put a spin on it. I think about everybody else. And we may in some situations, but push comes to shove. We like to be first. So... You're telling me, Elijah, that I need to make you something to eat first and then think about my boy and me. She may have thought this is the most audacious, ludicrous idea I've ever heard. But why is Elijah asking her to make him something first? I think it was all part of God seeing if she trust him, would she trust him? Would she put legs on the faith? Would she trust him? How do you respond when God asks you to put him first? First, you want the first fruits of my finance. You want me to give my tithe as the first. You want the first fruits of my time. You want me to put you first with my time. You're asking me to seek first the kingdom of God. And then everything else will be added. First, he wants the best of you, friends. Not the worst. Not the last. You give him your best. He'll do the rest. You give him the best of your time, he'll bless the rest of your time. Try it tomorrow morning. Spend some time with him first. See how the rest of your day goes. He'll bless the rest. Give him the first of your finances. For me, the first thing that leaves our bank account every month on the first of the month is our tithe to this local house. We give him 10% of our first. And we've seen year on year, he's blessed the 90% friends. The 90% has gone further. It's done more. There's been an abundance. The oil's not run out. 
the flowers that God empty because he's blessed the rest as we've given him the first. For some of you, God's saying, come on, seek my kingdom first. Put me first. There's other things, maybe stuff that you're wrestling with where does this fit where does that fit who should I marry what should I do for my career where should I live and important stuff for you to process but friends seek his kingdom first make him the priority make his word the priority make being planted in this house or whichever local house God is showing you to the priority Seek his kingdom first and you will not miss out. You will not go empty the first. I wonder, I wonder how this widow felt as she picked up that oil and that flour to make Elijah the first bread maybe, maybe her arms started shaking as she was about to pour that oil. Maybe she's, don't spill it. Don't spill it, that's all you've got. Maybe if she picked up the handful of flour, she thought, oh, I hope I'm doing the right thing. I hope I'm doing the right thing, putting him first. Following the word of his God. But here's the thing, friends, as we're coming into land this morning. That widow, she chose to follow. She chose to follow. So she did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. You see, friends, right there, a miracle happened. We don't know how, and we don't really need to get concerned with how. But what we do know is that little bit of oil, that as she poured it, as she released through faith, as she made Elijah his first and honoured the word from the Lord, it didn't run out. It multiplied. The flower it multiplied. Her containers never ran dry, but she kept making the bread. And you see, friends, if this Phoenician woman, who did not believe in the God of Israel, if she could stand on a word from a God she'd not yet met, a God that she'd not yet chose to believe in. And she decided to follow his word through the prophet Elijah. Then just maybe, you and me, we can make a choice day by day, month by month, season by season, that we can follow him too. That we can Trust him. That we can trust him. Friends, he wants you to trust him. 
to trust Him with your little oil, to trust Him with your handful of flour, to trust Him when you feel like I'm getting ready to die, to trust Him when you feel like I've reached the end, to trust Him when it doesn't make sense, to trust Him when He takes you to a place and a person that looks like the least sensible and the least prepared, to trust Him, to trust Him. See, God's got so much for you, so much for you. But he's simply asking you this morning, will you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you trust me? I've got you covered. He's got things set up for you. He's got things lined up for you. But are you ready to trust him? Are you ready to have faith, to speak faith? Are you ready to put him first? And are you ready to follow him? Even if what he's saying sounds silly. It's interesting, friends, that God did not come and fill up the container of oil to the top. It's interesting that God did not come and say, I'm going to top up the flower lady just so, well, let's call it a bit of peace of mind, shall we? I'll top it up. I like to call it faith on tiptoes. Faith on tiptoes. God kept that woman looking to God. God kept Elijah looking to God. Because he didn't want to make it easy. He didn't want to give it them on a plate. Because they had to have faith that kept trusting. Faith that kept looking to him. And I just want to invite us all over this place now, just to stand where we are this morning. I'd love to pray for you this morning. And I know that for some of you right now, you've got situations where you just know, I need to trust him. I'm not going to try and figure it, to logic it, to do it in my own strength. But the word of the Lord to you is, trust me. Trust me. I've not let you down in the past. And I'm certainly not going to let you down in the present or into your future. But the question is, will you trust him? For some of you, you need to speak faith over your life more. You need to block out the voices that diminish faith. But you need to speak faith. You need to prophesy faith. Maybe for some of you, God's not been first. He's been second, third, fourth. He's maybe just been wherever you can fit him in, actually. And maybe it's time for you to say, God, I want to do my life different. I want to put you first. Put you first with my time, with my finance, with my energy. I want to seek you first, God. And maybe for some of you, there's things that God has already spoken to you about. To follow him. Follow him. Maybe from here, some of you have got to go home and you've got to pick up the phone. Send an email. Action something you've been procrastinating about. Act on something in the next seven days. Make a decision to follow him. 
Because He wants to do a miracle in your containers. He wants to do a miracle, friends. And I'm just going to pray for us this morning. And if you, you want to respond this morning, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you now, I'm going to invite you where you are to just hold your hands out in front of you. It's a sign that God, I'm open and I want to receive. So I'm going to invite you to do that now, just where you are as I pray. God, help us to trust you. Help us to trust you for these dear friends, this family, these wonderful people here this morning. You see their hearts, their hands. You see where they're at. And I ask for those that are responding right now, Holy Spirit, would you help them? Would you help them to take those steps? Would you help them to make those changes? Would you help them to speak different, to think different, to walk different? Father, for those that just need faith, I release faith over their lives right now. For those who have been struggling with putting you first, God, may there be a fresh desire right now kindled in their heart that everything else would just seem so dull. It's so unimportant to put in you first. And Father, for those who just need to get on and follow, give them the courage, give them the determination, the tenacity they need to follow you. God, would you take that little and would you make it something incredible? Oh God, would there be miracles, miracles that jump out, explode over your people's lives. Father, in the next weeks and months, God, may we hear in this very place of the miracles that you're doing, of the turning around that you're performing in people's worlds. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. You're so good. Help us to trust you, to trust you to trust you. God, we trust you. God, we trust you. As we finish three times together, church, I'm going to invite us together to say, God, I trust you. Three times. Here we go. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. Amen. We trust you, Lord. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.